The scripture reading for today is 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 17. And in your Black Pew Bible, that's page 996. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing whom from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, G in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Keep your finger right there. We'll look at, uh, not all of it, but just two verses together, but first a word of prayer. Father, we recognize that, as we've said, we bow in your presence. We ask now that your word would be our rule, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that your greater glory would be uh, our main concern. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In a little over uh, 12 hours from now, you recognize, of course, that the final seconds of 2023 will tick away. I'm sure that a few of us at 11.59 p.m. will be counting down with friends, three, two, one, happy new year. Uh, others of us will be doing a different sort of counting. You'll be counting sheep. Uh, I, either way, uh, if you like numbers, uh, the last day of this year is, is a good one. Uh, because as you've probably heard, December 31st, 2023, or said 1231.23 gives you 123.123. I read a story last week that uh, there are a number of people who made plans to be married today 
simply so they could have the anniversary date, one, two, three, one, two, three. I said, I like that a lot. <laughs> You're probably not going to mess that one up, and it's a great way to celebrate. In addition to celebrations that fall on the last day of uh, the year, it's always a timely occasion for us, too, to take some time to reflect on the, the year that's gone by and consider what's to come. I, I do hope that you'll do this for yourself, that at some point in the next couple of days, if you haven't already done so, that, that you'll pause, that you'll put your phone on D&D, that you'll reflect on uh, highlights and, and hardships from the past 12 months. That even in those things, you will be able to see the evidences of God's kindness to you. That you might just have a moment to slow down and grieve because of the things that have just been downright difficult. I do hope that each of us will, will take a pause for that, and then certainly that we'll give thought to what we might uh, give focus to in the next 12 months. We get it. Uh, the turning of the calendar from uh, December to January, it's always an occasion for us to, to reflect, to take stock of our lives, and, and for us uh, to do the same as a local church. And that's what I'd like to do this morning, uh, because in addition to today being the, the last day of the calendar year, it's also the last day of a season of ministry for us. Because as of tomorrow, January 1, 2024, we, Parkside Westside, will be independent from our sending church, uh, Parkside in Bainbridge. Uh, this is not new news for most of us. Uh, we've been uh, talking about this. Uh, in many ways, we've been planning toward this since we first began in 2015. So nothing surprising about the transition, but still significant. You've probably heard us say at some point that the Parkside church planting model can be uh, described like uh, children, adult children in their 20s who are launching out uh, on their own. So most 20-somethings take a couple of years before you're fully adulting. You know, you have your own car, you have your own insurance, you've got a place of your own. Uh, you're, you're on your own, but you're probably still connected to someone in your family or all of your family in some way or not. In some situations, you may even have family that has been able to help you get established. Well, in that sort of way, our sending church has helped to get us uh, established. They've supported us relationally. Uh, they've significantly helped us out financially. Uh, under God, they're a huge part in uh, getting to where we are today. We're financially stable. We have leadership of our own. We have this wonderful building here on the corner of Woodward and Hilliard for us to meet in. It's quite astounding because I was thinking back to the summer of 2015 when Jeff and Nate and I, the original uh, threesome of church planters, we had Lakewood in mind, and there was a day in particular when uh, Nate and I were driving around in my car, and we were going, we need to find a place to meet on Sunday mornings, and we just kept getting closed doors, and we said, we need to find some office space, and I was thinking back at that mo moment, and I said, we had absolutely no certainty that God in his kindness would bring us to this day when we would be speaking of independence. We didn't even know if we'd find a place to meet to get the thing kicked off. And so with, with that in mind, uh, January 1, 2024, it marks a new season for us, which just makes today a good day to look back, to be thankful, but also to look forward and, to, and anticipate what God will continue to do through us. Because as... Uh, Coach Kevin Stefanski said to his Cleveland Browns players on Thursday night after they finally made it to the playoffs after, you know, t twice in 20 years, he said to them, the journey continues and we're just getting started. It's coach talk. It's true talk. <laughs> the journey continues. 
we're just getting started. And I said, well, that's it right there. Uh, today marks the end of a season for us. It's a changing in, in our relationship with Parkside and Bainbridge, but we haven't finished the journey. God willing, we're just getting started at, as Parkside Westside. Uh, a friend of mine, he loves to say, you, you haven't even gotten your warm-ups off yet. Eight years in, you're just, you're just getting started. Well, uh, as we uh, get started in this next season of ministry, I largely want to say one thing today, which is that uh, we're, we're not going to do things that have never been done before. We're actually going to continue in what we have learned and firmly believed. So on one level, uh, we'll continue to, uh, to apply and learn much of what we've picked up from our sending church. After all, they know a little bit about ministry in greater Cleveland. But in an even more rooted way, uh, we're going to continue in, in what we firmly believed from, from the scriptures about the Lord Jesus and his redeeming work in our lives and in our world. Or, to put it in the words of the Apostle Paul, as he uh, said to his pastoral protege here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Very briefly, by, by way of context, Second uh, Timothy is a, it's a pastoral epistle, which largely just means it's a letter written from one church leader to another. It's a letter written from the Apostle Paul. He's, of course, this Christian missionary. I think he is the, the first church planter. And he's uh, writing to a younger man called Timothy, who I like to think of as being like a church establisher. He's a church pastor, elder, teacher. And in this brief letter between discipler and disciplee, the, the younger pastor is being instructed on the essentials for a local church ministry. There's lots of good stuff in this letter, but uh, this morning we're just going to give our attention to really what Paul is pressing upon Timothy about the necessity for him both pastorally and personally to continue in the truth of the gospel. Yeah, you know, he's to continue in what he learned and came to believe as a young boy from his mom and from his grandmother. Towards the beginning of the letter, Paul mentions these two women by name. There's uh, Grandma Lois and there's Mama Eunice, both women of Christian faith. And at this point in Timothy's grown life, he too has shared in the faith of his mom and his grandma. And in view of this, Paul is appealing to the, to the faithful Christian character of these women as the basis for Timothy's continued confidence in what he's learned from them. They told you about it. You've seen their lives, and it almost exceeds what they've told you. Keep, keep believing, Timothy. It's really this wonderfully encouraging illustration about the important calling of, of motherhood and how, a, uh, how a, there's such a powerful impact that a faithful mother and, and grandmother can have on children and grandchildren. We're left with the impression that Timothy's father wasn't a Christian, and yet it didn't prevent him from coming to faith through the witness of his, uh, these godly women in his life. Yeah, you, you know this. A mother can mark the life of her child like, like no one else can. God can use her influence to raise up Christian servants who will lay down their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, of course, no guarantee that a child will share in the faith of her mother, but there is great Potential in these words Continue 
in what you have learned from childhood. And of course, not just learning the the ABCs and one, two, threes of life. Those those are important things. He's, He's talking about a deeper level of learning, things that Timothy learned from his mom when she taught him the scriptures. It seems to be that from his infancy, Lois and Eunice taught him from what Paul calls the the sacred writings. It's just what we call the Old Testament now. And they they, they planted the seeds of God's truth in Timothy's life, and God caused them to grow within him. That really is all that we can do as Christian parents. We plant seeds, we disciple, we pray, we wait— Because it's God and God alone who initiates spiritual growth and life. Well, through the means of Scripture being shared and learned, Timothy became a Christian. The Scriptures these two faithful women taught him were able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So you see, uh, Timothy knows all about the power of the Scriptures because he's seen its effect on his mom and his grandma, and it's for this reason that he is to believe that it will do the same in the lives of the people that he pastors. So in in sum, what's being highlighted here for Timothy as he takes up his leadership role in the church is the the priority of the Scriptures that he's to have, and then, as is is illustrated in his own life, the, the power of Christian relationships. Those are really my two points today. Uh, What are we on about? What are we going to continue in? An emphasis upon the priority of the scriptures and the recognition of the power of Christian relationships. Now, uh, from that passage here, what I want to do is, if you will, uh, connect uh, some of the similar dots that we as Parkside Westside have received by way of Christian heritage. I can use the phrase in that way. Christian heritage, that which we've received from our Christian family at Parkside in Bainbridge. I'm essentially drawing the parallel this way. What Eunice was to Timothy, Parkside in Bainbridge, has been to us here at Parkside at Westside. And by way of heritage, one of the things that we've learned from our mother church is the importance of the Sunday sermon. It's it's important because it's the primary way for us to give public priority uh, to the Scriptures. And and so, uh, this is uh, what we emphasize each Sunday. There's a place for the preaching of God's Word. Each Sunday, the person who stands here uh, behind the pulpit has this Bible open right here with this posture of, this is the Word of the Lord. This is the Word of the Lord. We read it. We explain it. We help us see how it points us to the Lord Jesus. And by grace, we try to help one another apply it to our lives. A pastoral uh, mentor of mine, actually from Parkside, likens the, the preaching of God's word on Sundays to the, to the bass drum of a drummer. We often have a drummer and a drum kit behind us. Of course, today is the day we don't, since so I'm going to illustrate it, but you know what the bass drum does. It goes boom, 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 boom. The beating of the kick drum. It, of course, keeps the, the other musicians in the band tight uh, together. Think about it. How many times have you been listening to a song and you're over there, you know, doing one of these things? You can't even keep rhythm and you're still keeping rhythm because you're following the bass drum. Well, in a similar way, the, the preaching of God's word and the gathered company of God's people serves to keep us in sync together. The steady preaching of the Bible keeps us, if you will, you know, tapping along together. Now, no doubt, in some ways, the pastor preacher has a role in this, but his role is secondary because the scriptures are, are powerful and effective 
in and of themselves. Well, point in case, uh, roughly 45 years ago, and some of you who are from Parkside Heights, you may actually be part of this story, uh, Parkside Church in Bainbridge uh, went through a stretch of years in which they did not have a lead pastor. So what took place Sunday by Sunday by way of practical necessity was that there was a rotation of church leaders and guest preachers who filled the pulpit. My friend who was around at this point, he was on the leadership team, said it was practically his full-time job in addition to his other full-time job to, to keep the rotation filled up and all the details in place. And he said to me, but here's, here's what was amazing. He said, during those stretch of years in the 80s, the church continued to grow. He said, we didn't have the same pastor preaching every week, but the fellow who stood behind the pulpit believed that the Spirit of God would use the proclaimed Word of God to convert and change and encourage and transform the people of God. This is what I mean. The Scriptures are powerful in and of themselves. And God saw fit to bless his word to his people as they gathered on the east side of Cleveland in the 80s, even through the means of a steady rotation of guest preachers. If I might comment further on the, the particulars of the, the preach sermon, uh, we've also received by way of, of Christian heritage this practice of, of teaching through uh, passages and portions of the Bible, uh, often through entire books of the Bible. So it, even today, I've stepped out of our regular studies in Matthew's gospel, but I've stepped into uh, Timothy's uh, letter here. And one of the primary reasons for this approach is because it allows the, the scripture passage to set the agenda for us. So, so what is tasked to me each week, along with the other church uh, elders and teachers, is to take the passage and ask, what is God saying to us? It's not primarily what's in this for me, but first and foremost, what is God revealing to you and me? So the passage is to shape what we teach, which is, a, uh, in some ways, a safeguard from someone in my position uh, jumping on his hobby horse and saying whatever he wants to say. For example, uh, G. Campbell Morgan, who was uh, a British preacher from another century, he told this story about this Baptist preacher who had a fixation with baptism. It, he referred to it constantly we're pro-baptism, don't worry about that, but uh, we're not quite as Baptists. One Sunday morning, this Baptist preacher announced his passage, and he said, my text this morning is Genesis 3-9. Adam, where are you? He continued on from there and said, I have three points from this passage. Firstly, where Adam was. Secondly, how he was to be saved from where he was. Lastly and thirdly, a few words on baptism. Nothing to do with a passage <laughs> This is what I mean in saying That we're to come and say Well, what does God say to us? Not to what do I feel like talking about today It's why we have this practice It's also why generally speaking We sequentially work our way uh, Through books of the Bible So we, we start in verse 1 of chapter 1 And we move at a various pace Until we reach the last verse of the last chapter well, We do that uh, and as we do that, we, of course, come to topics and themes, some that challenge us, uh, some that encourage us. And really, the discipline of just going from one paragraph to the next doesn't allow me or others to uh, skip over material that makes us uncomfortable or that is uh, culturally out of step. I, I think it basically comes down to this. We, we receive it all from God 
And we make our way through these passages with the belief that this is the word of the Lord. And when we come to God's word in this way, he blesses it to us. Because God's preached word has a way of getting deep down in us. Surely you've had those times in your life when God's spirit, he just, he just ministered to you through a sermon in just the way that you need it. The, the person behind the pulpit has a part in these things, but in many ways, he is ancillary. I'm, I'm not being self-deprecating about the pastor's secondary role in these things. Because it's not uncommon for someone to come and speak to me afterwards about how God's word ministered to them. Uh, sometimes they'll say, it was this thing that you said right there, which was almost like a, a passing comment on my part. I go, oh, I'm glad for that. Sometimes we'll say, so someone will say, well, you said this in the sermon, and I know I didn't say that in the sermon. It's okay. God used it and blessed it to their lives. The word of God preached and proclaimed is the means by which the Spirit of God, he just applies the work of Christ into the hearts of God's people in all of our peculiar circumstances in this mysterious and divinely wonderful way. The Sunday sermon is really important. It keeps us on track. It holds us together. It's a, it's a primary way that we prioritize the Scriptures as a, as a group of gathered Christian people. Now, having said all of that, let me now next be intentionally contradictory. And take a few moments to make the point that the Sunday sermon isn't enough It's important It isn't enough It's necessary Not sufficient Here, Here's what I mean In a book called uh, The Trellis and the Vine The authors Payne and Marshall uh, They put it like this uh, It's a longer quote but probably the first line is the most important Sermons are needed, yes But they are not all that is needed Let us be absolutely clear The preaching of powerful, faithful, compelling Bible expositions Is absolutely vital and necessary To the life and growth of our congregations Weak and inadequate preaching Weakens our churches Conversely, clear, strong, powerful public preaching Is the bedrock and foundation Upon which all other ministry in the congregation Is built They go on to say that the sermon Is the rallying cry it's where the whole congregation can together feed on God's word, be challenged, comforted, and edified. The public preaching ministry is like a framework that sets the standard and agenda for all of the other word ministries to take place. We do not want to see less emphasis on preaching or less effort to go into preaching. Uh, you got the feel for what they're saying. Listen, we get it. Preaching is really, really important. And then in the paragraphs that follow, the point the authors make about preaching not being enough has to do with a form of delivery, which is to say that the monologue preaching event, I'm talking, you're listening, it's important. But we also need other ways for the word of God to be ministered among us. Sermons are needed, but they are not all that is needed. You go, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, just let me ask you this. When... Lois and Eunice were discipling young Timothy. Do you think they said, okay, son, have a seat in the pew. I'm going to stand here by the pulpit, and I'm going to give it to you this way. Of course not. A mom talked with her son at the kitchen table. She I don't know if she read the scripture. She may have just had to quote things that she had memorized. She would talk with him. He would ask questions. Undoubtedly, she, she probably prayed the word into his life. 
That's what we mean in making the point that the Sunday sermon is important, but it isn't enough. We also need the word of God ministered through the means of conversation and friendships. That this is what we've come to believe and are going to, to keep putting an emphasis on here at Parkside Westside. The, the power of Christian relationships in helping us uh, learn the Bible as illustrated in the life of, of Timothy. As, as church members and regular attenders, we want to get better at ministering the word of God to each other in, in whatever it may be, smaller group contexts, uh, one-to-one conversations, these points where you can just read, you can talk about it, can pray it together I really can't encourage you enough and urge you to find a small group of fellow Christians with whom you'll study the Bible together you help uh, disciple each other that there will be mutual discipleship additionally I wonder if I can appeal to you uh, to, to make it a point in your conversations with other Christian people to to talk about the scriptures the things that you're encouraged about the things that you find to be challenging we have this a commitment as an elder team Our leadership team here uh, we, we say to one another Whenever we are with God's people We want to try to have a conversation Of substance with someone or someones So with God's people in this context In a small group context Over coffee or whatever it may be We want to uh, do our best to, to shepherd And get beyond the, the weather and sports we, we want to get to matters of, of faith I, I wonder if you will take up that commitment with us We're doing our best to model it as a leadership team But it's nothing unique to us We just say to one another Okay, I'm done talking about this Let, let, let me ask you uh, about this To make the most of mutually discipling each other As we prioritize God's word In our Christian relationships Are you getting the picture? They're really both in tandem you, We need strong biblical preaching and we need strong Christian relationships in which we, we minister God's word uh, to one another. I, I can't give you chapter and verse, but I can say with com some confidence from the perspective of two decades of pastoral ministry that, that, that the difference in spiritual maturity between a, a Christian who hears one sermon a week in comparison to another Christian who reads and studies God's word with others in addition to the Sunday sermon it's pretty profound Yes, God blesses his preached word to us He also blesses his word when it's conversationally shared and and studied with other people Not only that, but he also blesses our regular reading of the bible that we do on our own So again, I say, you know, pick pick one of these up right here. Give it a read uh, starting tomorrow And maybe do this Maybe take the initiative with uh, someone else and say, okay, I'm going to start reading this thing. You start reading this thing. And in a week or two, let's get together and let's just share what we've been learning together. I mean, if, if you're an efficient person, you're going to love that because that's two birds with one stone. Uh, you prioritize the scriptures. You prioritize Christian relationships. Boom, have a great day. Check it off your list. It'll be really good for you. I'm, I'm being funny. Well, you're not laughing. I was attempting to be funny. Um, but I'm actually being completely serious. These are the means which God has given to us And I recognize that most of what I'm saying are things that we've said and heard uh, lots of times before But that's me actually just furthering the point that I made at the beginning That as we move forward into this next season We're not really going to do anything that's never been done before We're going to do the things that we have been uh, committed to We're going to continue in what we've learned 
and firmly believed. Believing in the priority of the scriptures and the power of Christian relationships. These are the God-given means to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That that little phrase there, faith in Jesus, this is uh, what is at the heart of the gospel. The gospel, you know, it just means good news. It's good news because the gospel, it doesn't tell us what I must do. It, it tells us what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has, has done for me. I hope that that's clear to you, that, that the gospel isn't what you do for God, but it's actually what God has done for you. It's not like good advice or good spiritual uh, techniques, how you can level up in life and all of that. No, the, the, the heart of Christianity, it, it's just a proclamation of good news. Because it's the report that someone else, Jesus, the Son of God, has already fulfilled and followed and achieved everything for you. The the good news is that Jesus Christ saves us from sin's guilt, from its tyranny in our lives, and he delivers us from the fear of death. It's good news because it's about God and his faithfulness to his own purposes. He is the one who makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm encouraged and happy to say that this is where where we are today, that as a church, we're we're firmly believing and and being acquainted with the sacred writings. Uh, This is where we will continue to be in 2024, God willing, and God willing in the years to come. But, But we have to heed the warning that we can get off track and loosen our grip on what we firmly believed. For example, if you're a guest here today, you need to know that in the 1920s, there were Christian people who sat in the pews of this very building, this very same pews that you're sitting in now. They sat and they listened on Sundays to the scriptures being preached, the good news being heralded. We have documents from the beginning of things. They were faithful Christian people. For many years, they continued in what they learned. They they held to what they firmly believed. But over time, in the decades that followed, the the convictions shifted, the posture changed. Instead of saying to one another, this is the word of the Lord, some began to subversively ask, did God really say? And once that question was asked and then answered in the way that it was intended, the whole thing began to become undone. And what happened? was that portions of the Bible that were no longer fashionable, they began to be maneuvered and then moved around or said, well, I know it says this, but actually we're going to say this. And then what happened is the congregation shrunk. The good news of the gospel that was heralded in this room was replaced with, uh, with like mantras of political correctness. Faithful Christianity and faithful Christians built this building, and then the gospel drifted from this building. And if we, are, if we don't continue in what we have learned and firmly believed, the exact same thing will happen to us. In the not-too-distant future, uh, this place will be turned into small businesses and places for apartments. Point in case, the building at the end of my street where I live here in Lakewood, it's about to become a Cleveland bagel. I like Cleveland bagels. I wish the gospel was still radiating from that place. It's not. It's gone. And we must never be presumptuous to say, well, that that could never happen to us. It could. We must recognize that we have been uh, the recipients of of a great gift 
in this building, in this space. But more importantly, we've been charged with a greater responsibility to hold fast to the gospel. Um, uh, by God's grace, this is what we've been doing since 2015. God willing, uh, should Jesus tarry, it's what we'll be doing in 3015. We're going to continue in what we've learned. And if God uh, should see fit in the years to come, we would actually like to become a mother church ourselves, to plant a daughter church that would be established from us. Why? So that the good news of the gospel could be heralded in another portion, portion of Cleveland and held fast by Christian people in a whole new place. Much of what makes the possibility of that, and I hope the prayerful fulfillment, is tied to the, being the recipients of this building. It's a gift to us. It gives us opportunities to, to do things for Christ and his kingdom that's just a lot harder to do if you don't have space. To whom much has been given, much will be expected. So we have to keep holding firmly to the gospel. We have to make sure that we get the gospel into the hands of those who are coming in the generation behind us that they're right here with us. If we uh, will do our part in these things, not to oversimplify, but not to miss the, the obvious, if we keep prioritizing God's word, if we keep prioritizing Christian relationships, I think essentially, if we keep coming Sunday by Sunday here in Lakewood, over there in the Heights, in Bainbridge, in Green, at Shoreline, wherever the Parkside locations are, if, if we continue to come with our Bible in hand and we say to one another, this is the word of the Lord, God will bless the work of our hands.